But now Jesus said, the time had come when, Jer when Jerusalem or any other place of worship, whether temple or some other place is no longer important. What matters to God is that his worshipers do worship him in spirit and truth. This book is just tremendous. We have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted. If God had not breathed into Adam's nostrils, Adam would have remained just a lump of dust. How should we then treat the Bible? All of us are sinners and saved only by grace. For worship, we were created. And for worship, we should ever live. Jesus died our sins. And so now that we have put our faith in him, he takes away our sins. Good morning, my dear friends. Welcome to our meditation this morning on the Holy Word of God. And as we do, I pray that God will, truly, will speak to our hearts and we shall continue to know him better and to serve him, to serve him uh, better. Uh, shall we pray? Our gracious Father Almighty, we come before you, our throne of grace. We seek you, O God, to give us the grace that we need to live the Christian life victoriously. Speak to us and help us, Father, with the issues uh, on which we, we are struggling. Purify our hearts and help us, O God, to be everything you wanted us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today, my dear friends, we're going to, to look at uh, ways in which we can practically uh, fulfill the requirements or the teachings of the book of Romans. So last Sunday we completed the, our study on the book of Romans. Um, but there's one matter that uh, still lingers in my thoughts. The matter of true worship that is pleasing and acceptable to God. We touched on it as we read chapter 12 of Romans. I would like us to revisit it and see whether we can go a little bit deeper into it, because it is of utmost importance. So I want us to, uh, to read today from, from the book of John, not Romans, but John, and hear from the words of Jesus what he himself regards true worship uh, to be. And for us, therefore, the question is, what is, what is then the, the application we can apply to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, which requires us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices as our, as our act of worship. How, for instance, can our worship be both acceptable and pleasing to God? We shall read, we shall read it to, to answer those questions. We shall read, John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verses 19 to 26, uh, the story of the Samaritan woman. So here is the word of the Lord, 
Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, who speak to you, am he. Amen. 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 So, whatever Jesus says about this matter of worship is final. So then, the scripture we just read re reveals and or tells us that both Jews and, um, and other racial groups were, were practicing different varieties of worship. The Jews worshipped in Jerusalem, while the Samaritans worshipped on a mountain somewhere in, in Samaria. Some communities in Kenya worshipped facing Mount Kenya, believing that that is where God lived. And others had their own forms of worship. One thing that is clear, therefore, is that worship is natural to human beings and it has existed from the beginning of time. It appears that uh, the first human beings looked at the sky and the natural world around them and came to the conclusion that all these things could not have come into existence on their own, but must have been made by some superior being and that superior being deserved to be honored by them. Therefore, they began to worship that personality even though they had no clue or any idea who he was. And the result was that they began to worship objects such as mountains, the sun, the moon, the trees, animals and other creatures on the sky and in the sea and everywhere. Now, my friends, worship has to do with our response to God in the light of what has been revealed to us, beginning from what he has created. 
coming to his self-revelation in the Bible. And Paul says as much in Romans chapter 1 verse 20, which we, we dealt with uh, during our study of the book of Romans. Now, there are many textbooks, um, or rather, um, let me say that there are many textbook definitions of worship. But, but I don't wish to go into great details about this def definition, except to say very simply that worship expresses our heartfelt attitude towards God and our action in response to that attitude. As an example, the psalmist in Psalm number 116 says as follows, I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me I will call on him as long as I live. Then he goes on to ask, how can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? And he answers himself and says, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of his people. As I said, this is Psalms, Psalms uh, 116, um, you know, verses 1 to 14 or thereabouts. Now, sadly, uh, not all worshippers have this attitude, the, the attitude of the psalmist. Now, many worship God for all the wrong reasons. And therefore, for this reason, God was constantly rebuking the Jews for offering him worship that was less than he deserved. In spite of their many religious rituals and their annual pilgrimages to Jerusalem, it turned out that not all worshippers were true worshippers. They did not always give God the honor and the respect that was due to his holy name. Now, uh, um, in the days of Jesus, uh, temple worship, according to his own words, was under the control of a den of thieves. Now, the Bible reveals that there are at least four discernible or identifiable kinds of worship. I mean, there could be, of course there are more, but I'm saying four or five there about identifiable uh, forms of worship. And that's what I would like us to look at a moment uh, and, and, and uh, from the viewpoint of the New Testament. Um, Jesus said one kind of worship is vain worship. That is, he was talking about to the Pharisees or about the Pharisees concerning their preoccupation with the, 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 the clean and the unclean and all that and all that. Now this worship is a result of two or three things, following a set of rules and tradition of men 
and ignoring the commands of God on a particular subject, which is what Jesus said about Pharisees. And, and B, their worship, um, this kind of worship is not done from the heart, but from mere lips, just words and nothing more. Then there is ignorant worship, ignorant worship. This is uh, referred to by Paul concerning the Athenians who had re-erected an altar in their city to an unknown God, unknown God. So they worship this particular God among other gods. Um, and so this, 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 this worship therefore is offered in the absence of knowledge of God's will concerning who he is and how he is to be worshipped. Then there is self-imposed worship. Uh, let, let's check what this means in, in Colossians chapter 2, 20 to 23. But this worship is closely aligned with the vain worship that we have already mentioned. And it is the result of doing what we like and what we think is good. Now Romans, Romans 12 which we read uh, and studied um, as we studied the book of Romans, teaches that not just any worship is acceptable or pleasing to God. Now, there are different kinds of worship that can be offered, but only one is acceptable to God. Now, I, our title today is therefore the heart of worship. The heart of worship. What is the heart of worship? What is the true worship uh, in, in, in our words, in our, you know, uh, according to the New Testament and uh, in our reaction to what the New Testament teaches us. Now this title, the heart of worship, I have borrowed it from a song that was popular in the 1990s or thereabout, in the late 1990s. And, it is, and it, is, it is called the heart of worship. And it is actually concerned with the theme of coming back to the heart of worship. That means they had gone astray. People had gone way off the mark of what is true worship, coming back to the heart of worship. And the singer, the singer says, it's all about you, Lord. It is not about me or anything else. When the music faded, the music disappeared, what, how then shall we worship God? And, and, and this question arose from the fact that uh, the church where this uh, musician, this writer of this song worshipped, the, the pastor there was fed up by the level of worship that was practiced in that church. It was, it, it was poor kind of worship in spite of the fact that um, he had, uh, or the, the church had heavily invested in music instruments and equipment, very sophisticated and expensive equipment. The pastor had them, the, uh, the, therefore, the, in reaction to this poor spirit of worship, 
the pastor had the music band disbanded and the sound system removed. And he challenged the, the worshipers to give worship to God from their hearts. In the course of time, the church had learned the true meaning of worship. They sang a cappella and clapped their hands and offered heartfelt prayer and worship. Then the music system was brought back. But in spite of this lesson, my friends, this practical lesson, most churches today see worship in terms of music. Worship, my friends, is God's own idea. Not just a song or a gift or anything we choose to do or not to do. True worship is not about me, but it's about God. What then is true worship that pleases God? Uh, we must ask. True worship is as defined by Jesus himself. True worship, let me repeat, is as defined by God. And he says in our reading, scripture reading, that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. But what does Jesus mean by worship in spirit and truth? Now, in the Old Testament, Jews were obliged to go to Jerusalem to worship there as, as the conversation between Jesus and, um, and the Samaritan woman reveals. But now Jesus said, the time had come when, Jer when Jerusalem or any other place of worship, whether temple or some other place is no longer important. What matters to God is that his worshipers do worship him in spirit and truth. But let me say here by way of passing that um, True to his word, uh, the temple did not last very long after Jesus had uh, been lifted up. It was destroyed completely because people had made it into a kind of an idol, temple worship into a kind of idol. They no longer offered their worship to God, but they did things to be seen by men. Uh, and, and then a lot of evil things were, were being done uh, even in, in, in the temple itself. So worshiping God in spirit and truth, um, let, 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 let's, let's deal with that therefore. To worship in spirit simply means just what the word says. It is to offer spiritual worship, not physical worship, not by slaughtering animals, not by offering gifts, not, to, not by fasting and showing everybody you are, you are fasting. Now, uh, it is therefore in contrast to worship that is physical or fleshly. And in the Old Testament, there was a whole list of things people ought to, to, were required to do in the law of Moses as their act of worship. Uh, and we shall not go to, into that at the moment. So, but Jesus began by saying, God is spirit. Yeah? Let us take note of that. In explaining true worship, Jesus began by saying, God is spirit. Therefore, the worship of him is to be spiritual. It is to be in the spirit. That is more in keeping with his nature. 
Now, uh, Romans 12, uh, 12, 1, as we saw previously, is therefore offer God your, I mean, basically means offer God your whole self. When they say, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the masses of God, to present your bodies, uh, living sacrifices, holy and, 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 and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. It simply means offer yourself to God wholly on account of what Christ has done for us. We are to offer ourselves unto God wholly without limitation. Number two, offer God your praise. Now, Hebrew 13, 15 says, Through Christ, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his holy name. Then offer your material resources as well. And, and the word of God says in Hebrews again, uh, and let us not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Now Paul uh, actually does see material gift as a, a material gift to him for his ministry as a sacrifice which is pleasing to God because in the book of Philippians he says, uh, you know, I have received your money, like your gift in full and have an abundance and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, Philippians 4.18. Now, uh, Father, offer God your service by serving others. Uh, the, the, the word of God in Hebrews again says, and let us not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. The, and the other sacrifice mentioned in, in, in this verse is actually doing good. This, uh, this, this phrase refers to ministry, performing deeds of loving, serving to other people as representatives of Christ. Now, ultimately, therefore, what we are saying that the true worship that is spiritual, I mean, a spiritual worship to God who is spirit and, uh, and, and true worship that really uh, is acceptable to God and is pleasing to him is that is offered in the spirit. That, that when we offer ourselves wholly to God without reservation and, and worship through his very own Holy Spirit. And so let me say then, ultimately, therefore, Worship that is holy, acceptable to God and pleasing to him is worship that we practice as the Spirit of God leads. As the Spirit of God leads. That is why the Holy Spirit was sent to us. To dwell in us, you know, permanently. Not just with us, but in us. My friends, let us go and practice what we have just heard. I have no more words to word. And may God bless you as you go to learn what is true worship and we practice worship in spirit and truth. May God bless you. Amen. Father, fill us with your spirit, we pray. And let him teach us, Lord, how to pray 
in a manner that is truly, that is uh, to worship you in a manner that is truly pleasing and acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. This book is just tremendous. We have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted you. If God had not breathed into Adam's nostrils, Adam would have remained just a lump of dust. How should we then treat the Bible? All of us are sinners and saved only by grace. For worship, we were created. And for worship, we should ever live. Jesus died for our sins. And so, now that we have put our faith in him, he takes away our sins, he covers us under his righteousness.